and in this week's episode of Everyday Inspirational Podcast, I will be speaking to the lovely Jane Mansfield, who is a fulfillment coach and she runs online mentorship programs for women who are tired of life's shoulds and musts and feel stuck on a hamster wheel of existence. She helps them to rediscover their authentic selves before societal expectations got in the way and create a life of purpose, fulfillment and fun. And her story is all about overcoming her own battle with chronic anxiety and depression and then discovering her unbecoming. So welcome Jen to the Everyday Inspirational Podcast. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do and what your inspirational story is today? Yeah, of course. Thank you so, so much for having me on. Um, Like I said, my name is Jen and I am a fulfillment coach to women that are feeling mentally and emotionally exhausted with life. And they found themselves kind of caught on that hamster wheel of shoulds and musts and just living a life of existence rather than of kind of passion and fulfillment and fun. Um, and yeah, so I help them kind of reevaluate, reconnect with who they are kind of underneath all those layers of social conditioning that we all go through and all the things we think we should be. Um, and then really rediscover what it is they want from this adventure called life and then how to go about actually creating life that gets them there. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that is, that is what I am lucky enough to get to spend my days doing. Amazing, amazing. And where is it that you're from? So originally I'm from North Wales, not that you'd ever be able to tell that from my accent. Um, (laughs) And yeah, so I grew up in North Wales and then went to study classical saxophone of all things at Birmingham Conservatoire. Wow. Um, Before then heading to the big lights of London to live for 10 years and now I'm on the south coast in Hastings so I'm just working my way south. I'll be in France in a few years. Yeah, (laughs) lovely. Well would you like to tell the listeners your inspirational story? Yeah, um, so basically my story is one of overcoming mental health or um, as I like to call it mental dis-ease. and just really finding my light and being able to kind of be okay with shining as I am rather than as someone or something I thought I should be. And so, you know, I grew up, like I said, in North Wales, had a very idyllic childhood, um, was a, a fairly smart girl, so did pretty well in school, wasn't great at exams, but, you know, my brain was in the right place. <laughs> and, um, you know, ticked all the boxes of what, what you should do going through education and got reasonable GCSEs, A-levels, then went on to, I went to music college, but it was sort of equivalent to university. Um, And that was interesting itself because I loved music and I loved playing my saxophone. It was something that came fairly easy to me. But the reason I decided to become a musician wasn't actually because I was really, really passionate about being a musician. It was more that I just didn't know what else I was good at. And so I kind of just fell into it. So I was like, well, I'm not really good at anything else. I'm okay at this. So we'll just do this. Um, and then 
going through that, I suppose it was actually when I was 13 years old that I first experienced any struggles with mental health, but I didn't actually realize at the time that that's what it was. I just, I felt very sad. I felt very helpless. I felt like the world was a very dark, terrible place. Um, and I just, yeah, I developed a really kind of morose side of myself where everything just seemed unfair and there seemed to be so much suffering. Um, but, you know, and a few teachers noticed and a few people sort of tried to reach out, but nothing, I never really did anything about it and nothing particularly helped. But, you know, I sort of picked up again when I got to sort of year 10. That was a good couple of years for me and enjoyed the rest of my education. And then it wasn't until I was 19 then that these feelings came to me again. And this time they were much much darker and I couldn't see the point of life I couldn't see what my purpose was on the planet I felt like I was very much just kind of existing I felt very empty inside like some kind of zombie that had been hollowed out and that's when I got my first diagnosis of um, depression and you know I went on medication for it and I went through various therapies I saw a psychiatrist um, and did counselling and CBT and all of these things and they just they didn't help and if anything they made it feel worse because rather than feeling terrible I ended up feeling nothing at all which for me personally was actually more terrifying because it made it so much of a less less of a human experience and you know I had a boyfriend at the time and he'd say oh I love you and I I couldn't even find a feeling to say that back and it just it felt so strange because I knew on some level that I did mm -hmm. but I, I couldn't access that feeling yeah. um, which just felt horrible really and so that was the first time that I actually decided that my life would be more worthwhile by donating my organs to someone who actually wanted to live and could do something with life and so I decided there's one morning I woke up and it was like I must have made the decision in my sleep because I woke up knowing that today is my last day and the calmness and the peace that came over me was like nothing I'd ever felt before like suddenly my head was quiet there was space to kind of breathe and just be and I spent some time just lying on my bed in um, in my student halls, just looking at the sky and just kind of absorbing these last few moments and just deciding, will I or won't I leave a note? Because I don't really understand my feelings, so how am I supposed to explain them to anyone else? And is that going to be helpful or not? Um, and I was just just lying there, just kind of contemplating this. I decided exactly how I'd do it and was just sort of absorbing these last few moments when suddenly two birds, two what I thought were blackbirds, started flying towards my window. And I sort of looked at them, some, something about them caught my eye and I looked at them and I realized that they weren't two blackbirds at all, they'd just been really far away in silhouettes. And they were two albatrosses. And I was like, well, this is random because I was in Birmingham at the time and albatrosses normally live near the sea and Birmingham's pretty much the most inland I think you can get in the UK um, and anyway these two massive albatrosses were flying towards the window and I thought they're gonna fly straight into it like what are they doing and so as they got really close I shut my eyes 
and then waited for kind of the bang of one of them to hit the window. It wasn't big enough for both of them to hit the window. And um, through my eyelids, I got this sensation of a really, really bright light. And so I squinted, like one eye open, and like, I kid you not, like I was <laughs> absolutely bricking myself. <laughs> and then all I saw were these two kind of, uh, they were sort of silhouettes, they were sort of light figures of, you know, neither male nor female or anything like that, just really slowly just floating down past my window. Like nothing was said or anything, and I just shut my eyes again because I was so scared until I sensed that the light had kind of gone. And then I kind of sat up and I sort of looked down at the floor to see if like the birds were on the floor or anything, or if these things that had just floated past my window were on the floor, and there was nothing there at all. And I thought, okay, well, either, you know, my brain's playing tricks on me and I'm having a hallucination or I've just been visited by two angels. And I didn't really know what to think in all honesty. But what I decided was that it wasn't my place to take my life that day and it wasn't my right. And that I'd been given this gift of life and I'd been put on this planet for a reason, for a purpose. And whilst I had absolutely no idea what that reason and purpose was, I was here <laughs> and it was up to me to kind of find that. And so I, I didn't die that day and I spent the rest of the day just kind of wandering around the city centre really and ended up in a church. And I was brought up Church of England, but wasn't particularly religious. Um, and I just kind of sat in this church and every day to this day march 11th i call it my angel day um and i'll go and just light a candle somewhere and just kind of say thank you for kind of still still being here now things didn't change for me instantaneously that day i still suffered for many many years um with really challenging kind of mental health conditions and a real sense of kind of just loss and not knowing my place in the world and um but you know, I, I ticked along and there were, there were good times and good years in there as well. I definitely seemed to kind of go in peaks and troughs. And um, moving on several years, I ended up 28 working in London as a personal trainer at this point, having already been through um, being a secondary school teacher and then retraining, being a PT and working in a really exclusive central London studio. It was my dream job. Um, I was doing what I absolutely loved and was passionate about and again these struggles came back to bite me in the bum and that that day back when I was 19 had kept me going through the dark times and kept me knowing that it didn't matter how bad things got I wouldn't commit suicide it was sort of my safety net but for some reason that went at 28 and I thought actually do you know what like this has now been from the age of 13 to 28 and I've had three major episodes in that time and I'm just I'm not willing to live my life like this and the doctors had said you know um you just have really severe anxiety and depression and it's just something you're going to have to learn to manage and live with um and cope with you know and you can be on medication and and all this stuff and I thought it's it's not acceptable to me that's not that's not a life and my partner and I at the time had just bought our first property together. So, you know, it was supposed to be a really happy time. And 
we were redecorating it we had six weeks i think between when we had to be out of our rental property and when we had to be into this one and it was like an absolute tip it needed rewiring and replumbing and replastering and everything so we were doing all of this and i'd been out that morning to a cbt session so to a cognitive behavioral therapy session and the lady cut the session short and she said listen she said you're in crisis at the moment and so i need to stop this session and you need to take yourself to a and e and just tell them you're in crisis and they'll be able to help you and so i was like okay and so of course i didn't i went back to my flat and picked up a paintbrush and carried on painting what would be our new master bedroom and um my partner was in then he was like oh how was your session i was like yeah fine and um it was just so ironic because we had the radio playing and um queens i'm going slightly mad came on the radio and there's me just like painting my bedroom with just silent tears streaming down my face um and i was just like i can't do this anymore and so i walked into the other room and we had the paperwork of the of the purchase of the property through and we'd had to take out life insurance as part of our mortgage agreement and so I decided I'd read through it because my understanding was if one of us passed away, the other would get the mortgage paid off. So I thought, well, this is brilliant because he can end up with a property in London with no mortgage to pay. I'm not going to be a burden or a drain on him anymore. But luckily for me, I'd been told to always read the small print. <laughs> so I was having a flick through. And again, luckily for me, um, the small print said, um, this policy won't pay out if if one of the signatories commits suicide within 12 months of the policy being taken out so i was like oh no um but what that did was it gave me if you'll pardon the pun a deadline so i knew i had 12 months to once and for all permanently sort what was going on in my head out mm -hmm. or he'd have the mortgage paid off and I wouldn't have to suffer like this anymore. And so that was what really set the wheels in motion. And at that point, you know, I'd been through the NHS time and time again and bless them. They're an incredible service, but they're, you know, they weren't designed. They weren't ever supposed to be a support service. They were supposed to be a sort service. So they're 100% the people you want to go to if you've got a broken leg or cancer, but they're not if you've got like a long-term chronic condition and so i knew that in order for me to get over this and get the help i needed i'd have to look elsewhere beyond what was freely available to me and um i found a chap a very lovely geordie chap called matt hudson that had been recommended by a colleague of mine actually in the gym that i worked at and i wasn't overly keen initially it wasn't massively clear on his website how he did or what he did um but my friend managed to convince me to go to a two-day course of his and i sat there with a face like a slat you know and my arms folded and i was sort of the most unfriendly unapproachable person in the room and i sort of i must have given him a look like come on bring it i'll prove to you that i am broken beyond repair so good luck trying to fix me was basically the attitude I'd gone in with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd gone, basically my friend had gone as well. And I just wanted to prove to her that A, I was doing something to take control and try to get help. Um, but no one would be able to help me because I was clearly beyond help. 
and that first evening I found myself skipping along Brighton Beach with tears of absolute joy rolling down my face and I said to my friend I cannot remember feeling like this since I was six years old wow. and the sense of just release and just the weight that felt like it had lifted and the hope and the possibilities that came and I can't even tell you exactly what it was he did he just chatted to me and there were you know there were various um tasks that we got to do on the day and I was like oh I'm, I'm not going to do them and he was like well, that's all right he was like it's you that's paid the money to be here it's no skin off my nose you can sit there sulking if you want and I was like you're so rude <laughs> and um yeah just kind of really confrontational with him and then by that Sunday afternoon when the course finished I just went up to him and just said please can you help me and just sort of melted into him he was like yeah of course I can he was like I can help you to help yourself and that was the beginning of working one-to-one with him which then developed into me attending um seven-day courses that he ran which then resulted in him becoming my mentor and me then teaching on some of those courses and helping out with them and all it was really was teaching me about how our mind works and how we construct our reality and how we don't see things as they are we see them as we are and once you change you know your perceptions and your beliefs around yourself and around the world then the world suddenly begins to look like a very very different place and so whereas my whole life I'd felt like I'd seen the suffering and the starvation and the war and the torture and the pain that everyone was suffering I suddenly started to see the good in people and the many amazingly good things that are happening on the planet and you know don't get me wrong I know there are still horrific things happening but I don't let them affect me it's so funny I was talking to a neighbor the other day and she was saying how she stopped um like listening to the news and stuff recently and she said they've come up with a new word for people just you know scrolling through like the news apps on their phone and it's called doom scrolling and I was like that's a great word and I was like that's exactly what it is because you can so quickly get kind of sucked into that like it's all hopeless and terrifying and scary and we're powerless to do anything and the massive learning I had was that when you change your mind you change your life and when you change your life you then get to change other people's lives because there's a ripple effect and when you start to shine your light you're giving people permission to start shining theirs when they perhaps you know didn't want to stick their head above the parapet and we're kind of we're designed in the society we've got now we're designed to all conform to a system and to fit those tick boxes and that bends us out of shape so much that it causes this kind of dis-ease within us because we're not able to just naturally express who we are because that would just be too weird and so we all have to dim our lights and stay small so that we fit in and can get the jobs and can get the places at uni and can get you know the the more you know it's a nightmare us getting a mortgage because we don't fit into any boxes anymore and so like literally the bank's like uh computer says no and um you know and it doesn't matter what we're earning or what we're doing they're like yeah but you you don't fit in our folder like in our form um you know and it's maddening that that's that's where the world's got to is um that you know we have to we have to fit into a box for us to be able to access certain things and yeah so basically i've become passionate about 
helping people break free from the box because I don't think that's the way we were born to be. And I genuinely feel as well, it's, it's really funny because I wrote a post back in late 2019 saying there's a change coming. And I said, I can feel it in my bones. The world is about to change. And obviously I had no idea no. about the virus. And like, the I had some change. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I feel like, um, oh, wow. <laughs> but I genuinely feel, and I've, I've actually got more frustrated as the time's gone on this year, because at the beginning, I was like, this is incredible. The opportunity that is going to come from this so, you know, people are getting to work from home. They're getting to explore what a better work-life balance looks like. They're getting to spend quality time with their families. They're getting to kind of really reflect on, you know, life, an enforced slowdown of life was put upon us where we had that opportunity to really reflect on what we were doing and how we were living our lives day to day and how we could change that. And I thought, this is amazing. Like the system's going to crumble and we're going to be able to just rebuild it and there's going to be more equality for women who have children in the workplace and men are going to be able to get more involved in their families and build better bonds and connections with their kids rather than feeling like they're stuck in that old paradigm of them still having to be the owner which you know despite many of us have broken free from yeah. is still very intrinsic within society at the moment and so i was really excited and then I just got increasingly frustrated as the government was trying to like shoehorn like this new normal, as it were, into like that old paradigm. And I was like, no, 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 that's not working for so many people. Like mental health at the moment is off the scale. Mm -hmm. People are off work with stress. People are not making ends meet financially. Like this model only works for a few and it's still based on the British Empire, which dissolved like years ago yeah. and you know it's it's time for a new start and so obviously the government's not doing it and so it's up to us as individuals um i really feel like we have a responsibility because when we take responsibility for ourselves rather than waiting for a higher power be that sort of the government or or anything to kind of help us out and give us a handout or a hand up when we take responsibility, we become response able. So we're able to respond to whatever it is that life throws at us. And that's what I learned through my own journey was I was so much more powerful than I'd ever realized I was. I completely thought that I was a victim of my circumstances and that everything in life was happening to me and that I had no control of it. And I just had to kind of try and keep my head above water and kind of roll with the punches when actually now I've learned that I can create life in whatever form I want and it can be absolutely beautiful. And so that's really what I then want to share with others. I feel I've got a responsibility and I feel like I have found my purpose in that that's, that's what I do. I now share this to empower other people to step up and to take responsibility and to realize that with that responsibility comes power that they didn't even know they had. And once we all take responsibility for creating the outcome of our own lives, we don't need to feel scared and afraid anymore because when we become fearless, then life becomes limitless. It's only that fear, which I call false evidence appearing real. It's our mind monkeys 
telling us that there's something to be afraid of, but we suffer so much more from imagination than we do from reality that it's, it's that it's in here that keeps us small. So we need to look outside of ourselves and outside of our heads and just think, how can we rise up to serve others? Because actually we've all been put here for a purpose. I believe we're all the unique part of the puzzle and we all fit together and the puzzle is incomplete. If there's a piece missing, we've each got to work out what role our piece plays within that. And, and every single one of us is absolutely vitally important. And so I want people to stop existing and stop coasting and stop thinking their life is meaningless and they're not important in this world. Because actually when we all realize how important we are, then that's when we're gonna change the world. I love this. Oh, honestly, thank you so much. I've honestly loved listening to you. Oh, thank you. The, your story is amazing and there'll be so many people who resonate with that feeling of emptiness and feeling as if they have no purpose and what I love about it is that you have highlighted so much um which is key which is key in this this whole aspect of um everyday inspiration is that it is uh, down to us and the, the power that we have within ourselves and uh, once we realize that and you haven't found that to be your passion and purpose it's amazing and I love that and if and I know you've got lots of advice but if there was maybe one key piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with what would it be it would be don't settle don't settle for anything in life because you deserve so much more and you are so much more than you think you are I love it I love it that is so amazing and if they want to work with you where can I mean the details of uh, Jen's uh, bio and all the links will be below this podcast but if they want to work with you what is the name of your company and where can they find you so I'm just Jen Mansfield Fulfillment Coach and you can find me online at www.jenmansfield.co.uk where you can find all about my online mentorship program for women, which is a 12 week transformation program called Becoming You. And um, you can also find me on Facebook, search Jen Mansfield or on LinkedIn as well. They're the two places I hang out most at the moment because I don't like hanging out online too much. I like to be in the real world. In the real world. <laughs> we love it. Well, I'd just like to say thank you again. Your story was so moving and um, I love that you are the light um, and that you're shining it. And I just want to say thank you for joining us and goodbye to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me as well. It's been an absolute joy to share with you.